be every Sunday morning, I wait at those steps and I say, I'm going to just jump on that platform without using those steps. And then um, I realize I'm not going to be able to do that. They'd have to pick me up. But uh, I'm glad you're here today. How many of you are glad to be in, I was going to say in the house of God, but under the tent? How many of you are glad to be under the tent? Say amen. How many of you are glad to be outside the tent? Say amen. I think we've got more outside the tent than under the tent today. It's a beautiful day, and I am glad that you're here. And I want to introduce our church to someone really, really special. Where are the Browns at? I thought I saw them coming in. Keith and Courtney, would you hold up the little guy? Or Heather, whoever, someone? I want to introduce you to, yeah. So they, uh, they had a COVID baby, and so we've not, we're not allowed to touch him. You can look from a distance, and uh, congratulations, Keith and Courtney. We're so happy for you. Another boy. So you can keep trying, Keith, till you get a girl. And then I want to uh, congratulate the Kaminskys and the Blacks as well. They are grandparents of Blacks for the first time. The Kaminskys, not so much the first time, but uh, they've got a new baby granddaughter, Austin and Carly Black, or Austin and Carly Kaminsky uh, had a baby last week, Saturday, was it? Saturday. And uh, I was sworn to secrecy. I wasn't allowed to say anything last Sunday because Carly hadn't put pictures on Facebook. And um, so congratulations to the grandparents and uh, baby's doing well and mom is doing well. Continue to pray for Carly. She had a small complications. Um, uh, I say small because I've never had a baby before, but, um, uh, but just pray for her that um, she continues to heal and Lord to touch her body. I want you to pray also, if you would please, for Jan Dissa, her father. Uh, passed away this past week. And Tuesday of this week, the funeral is going to be at Union Hill Cemetery. And that's Tuesday at 11 o'clock. There'll be nothing at a funeral home or a church service. Everything will take place there at the cemetery. So if you'll just pray, pray for Jan, pray for her mom, um, and uh, pray for Dick and all the family. And we're thankful, although it's a, a difficult time, we're thankful that um, her father was saved. He did trust Christ as a savior later on in life, right? Um, and um, we're so thankful for that. And so you pray for the family this week. And I know it's been a difficult, difficult time last several years. Uh, they've lost two of their children as well. Um, and now her father. So this is a time, church family, I want to encourage you to um, just reach out and love people that are hurting. Um, you know, this, one of the things that I've not enjoyed at all about COVID is um, you're just not connected like you want to be. You're not you know, showing up at somebody's. And so while, while um, uh, things are crazy in our world, there's still Bible studies happening. People are still being saved. We're going to baptize. Anybody want to go down the river with me? All right. I'll see you there, Paul. And uh, I need some help. There's sharks, I hear, or something like that. Is there shark? There's no sharks in the river, right? I, I, I'm a city boy. I don't know those things. Um, and so I don't need your help then, Paul. There's no sharks. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to do that Tuesday. Um, and um, just looking around and seeing folks. Uh, Crabtree family, wave at us. Yeah, 
they're, I just embarrassed them thoroughly. I like doing that. So, um, they they uh, moved, got relocated in their job during COVID and moved and found a church online and liked you so much um, that they came to visit us in person and then liked you so much they stayed um, or have stayed. And so we're, uh, we're excited. They've got uh, three three kids, one in seventh grade, two in ninth grade, so starting a new school, and uh, just moved into the area uh, just within the last few months, and um, I'm glad the Lord has brought them this way, and I hope that uh, our church just looks around and sees new people. If you see someone new, um, one, one of the other benefits of this is our church, we've always, be, before COVID, we've always had two services. And so if you came to the 930 service, you may never see people that come to 11 o'clock service or vice versa. And right now you might be looking around saying, wow, look at all these new people. They just went to a different service. They're not new. They've been here like 20 years. And they're looking at you saying, look at the new people. And no one's talking to each other because everyone thinks they're new. And so just go find someone. And if you say, hey, I'm so-and-so, are you new here? And they say, I've been here 10 years. Say, oh, so have I. And finally got to meet you. Why have you not been friendly if you've been here for 10 years? Um, but find someone you don't know and just greet them. Tell them your name and let them know that you're glad that they're here. Um, last week was a great week. We had um, uh, just a good time of fellowship and and uh, I just it excites me, church, just to see our church going through all of this, but staying connected, staying together, loving on those that are hurting and uh, encouraging people as the Lord is bringing them in. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 23 this morning, if you would. Acts chapter number 23. I'm going to talk to you about something today. I'm going to talk to you about when leaders fail you. When leaders fail you. How many of you have ever been failed by leadership in your life? Just about everybody. Well, let me give you hope. If you haven't, you will be. It might be a boss. It might be a politician. It, every single leader in your life is human. And so, therefore, there's a potential for them to fail. How, how many of you know this? Nobody is perfect except Jesus Christ. Every, every other human born has failed because we're all sinners. That's, that's, the, that's the great uh, uh, hope of the gospel is we're, we're sinners and we can't save ourselves and we can't merit heaven in our own because we're sinners. But Jesus Christ came and he died for us. He paid our sin debt so that we can spend eternity with him. But, but we were dead in trespasses and sin. We've all sinned, come short of God's glory. But Jesus Christ came to save us. But leaders, they fail us. I want us to look at Acts chapter 23. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Isn't that a great testimony to have? He's talking to this council of, of, of people that want to kill him. Why are they wanting to kill Paul? Because he's preaching the gospel. Paul was a Pharisee. He, he was, matter of fact, in this passage of Scripture, we'll find where he's the son of a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. I mean, it, this was in Paul's blood. He was one of them. 
Paul was going out and killing Christians and, and uh, uh, putting Christians in prison because they were preaching the gospel. And then Paul was gloriously saved. He was on that road to Damascus and he met Jesus Christ and he, and he trusted Christ, believed in the gospel, believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He was the Son of God. And now Paul is gloriously saved. And when you get saved, I mean, when you get saved, something is different in you and you've got to tell everyone what Jesus Christ did for you. And that's what Paul's doing. And Paul's sharing the gospel. And because Paul's sharing the gospel, Paul's got himself in trouble. But it's ironic who he's in trouble with. Priests. The the religious leaders. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're wanting to kill Paul for preaching the gospel. And Paul stands before them and says, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. So they, they, they took Paul and, and, and hit Paul on his mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited, whited wall, for sitteth thou to judge me after the law? And commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by, revilest thou God's high priest. Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of, of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the others were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a, a Pharisee, of the hope of the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. Hear the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees believed that there was going to be a resurrection. They believed in, in, in spiritual things and spirits, and, and the Sadducees did not believe any of that. So Paul perceived that there's a, a mix of, of priests here. Some are Pharisees and some are Sadducees. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, like literally pulled in pieces, like one arm going one way, one arm going the other way. They're going to kill Paul, pull him apart. And the chief captain, the one in charge of the guards, has to rescue Paul before they kill him. They took him by force among them to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. When leaders fail us, Father, would you help us today? Lord, we live in a society where it seems like we're constantly being failed by leaders. Lord, there's some here today, they're wounded. They're hurting. They're carrying a burden today because someone in their life that was not supposed to hurt them has hurt them. There's someone in their life, maybe at work or in home, 
they're battling a situation. They're carrying this burden with them. And Lord, they're not getting victory. And so Lord, I pray that you heal broken hearts today. I pray that you would touch the wounded spirit and heart. Lord, I pray you'd give us victory today. And Lord, as Jacob prayed earlier, if there's one that does not know Jesus Christ as your savior today, Lord, I pray today they would be gloriously saved. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a day of, of information. I mean, it's everywhere. It's on our TV. It's on our phone. It's on our radio. It's on our computer. It's on our iPad. It's on Google Home. You can even ask Siri, what's the latest news today? And Siri will tell you what's going on in the world. Everywhere you go, you are being bombarded with information. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. I turn my computer on when I sit in my office every morning, and the first thing that comes up on my screen is all of the news, everything happening around the world. And what's so interesting is depending on what station you're listening or reading from or, or who's writing the article, you can take the same news and get a different story, and a different conclusion. Someone does something, and this person thinks it's good, and this person thinks it's bad. Every opinion, every side, every word, it's recorded, and it's played for the entire world to see. Because this information is so available, because we don't even have to look very far to find it, we have no choice but to hear it. And then we have to decide, what do we do with this information that we're hearing? There's things that I think before the technology age that we're living in today, there's things that could happen around the world that none of us would ever know about. But thanks to Siri and Google and the internet, we know everything there is to know. And leaders cannot hide from their remarks and leaders can't hide from their words because there's always a, a hot mic that's on. There's always a video recorder that's on. There's always a voice recorder that's picking up every word. And you know what? We live in a, a day and age where leaders have failed us. I don't think it's anything new with human beings. I think from the beginning of time, I would say this, that, that uh, 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 Adam failed by taking of the fruit. All through history, from the beginning of the time, you would find where leaders have failed. I don't think until the Lord comes back and, and uh, during the millennial reign, uh, when Christ is setting up his kingdom, I think that'll be the first and only time ever in history that there's going to be a leader that is wise, that never makes a mistake, that's all-knowing, that'll never fail us. But until then, leaders are going to fail us. And we have to decide what we hear, is it right or wrong? Do we agree or do we disagree? And at times, we even feel like those that are supposed to lead us, they've failed us. What do we do now? Maybe you're here today, at work, your boss has failed you. I want to ask you to raise your hand because maybe someone you work for is sitting here. Maybe you work for your spouse and so... It's a family business. But you know, at work, your boss maybe has failed you. And, and it's caused you great stress. Maybe at home, your parents have failed you. 
and it's causing you great stress. And all God's people said politicians will fail you every time. Amen to that. At church, maybe pastors have failed you. Maybe you're here today and I failed you. Maybe there was an expectation that, that I should have done or should have known and I didn't and I failed you and it's caused you hurt. Leaders were going to fail you. A coach, a teacher, a mentor. Because your leaders are human, there's always going to be a time in every person's life that you will be failed by a leader that you trusted. Paul here is in a place. I want you to think about this. Paul is in Jerusalem. Paul is standing before priests of the law. I mean, these are Pharisees and Sadducees. These are the ones that have studied the law and know the law and can quote the law and that are teaching the law. You go to a synagogue there uh, uh, on the Lord's Day, you would find one of these men standing up and teaching an entire people what they're supposed to do to know God. And these are the ones that are causing Paul such stress. These are the ones that are, that are hitting Paul in the mouth. These are the ones that the chief here of the, of the army is afraid they're going to pull Paul, physically pull him apart and kill him. These aren't the ones that Paul should be afraid of. If anything, Paul should be found in a place in his life where he's in turmoil. He should be able to run to a religious leader to get help. In our life, we ought to be able to run to a, a boss or a parent or a, a politician or a pastor or a coach, a teacher, a mentor. We ought to be able to run to those. But what do we do when they're the ones that have hurt us? When it's their actions that's causing us pain? How you respond to that is what's important. It's even more important than the leader that failed you and what they did. You see, so often, if we're not careful, we look at what they did instead of looking at what our response ought to be. Are you with me? You're quiet in here. Are you sleeping already? L listen to me. Let me say this again. So often we look at the failure that was done and that gets us shipwrecked and that gets us discouraged and that gets us off track instead of looking at the response that we ought to have. If you put the focus on the response instead of the failure, you're on the path to help. Paul is brought before this religious elite in Jerusalem. Look with me in verse number six. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I, I am a Pharisee of the son of the Pharisee, of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. I'm called in the question. He's brought before these religious elite. These men should have been just men. These men should have been holy men. These men should have been righteous men. If there were leaders in Jerusalem that should have made right decisions, it would have been the priests that were studying and teaching the law. Would you agree with that? They're not the ones that Paul should have been hurt from. But in chapter number 23, these men have failed Paul. These men are 
men that now Paul is standing before and Paul's life is a mess. It's in shambles. It's, there's unsurety going on. There's, there's, there's maybe some fear and, and some, some misunderstanding in Paul's mind of what the next step is going to be. But these men, they failed Paul. Look, look with me in verse number two. Let me just say to show you this again. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. How many of you would be offended by that? Huh? Go to work. Your boss brings you in. You were late today. Hit him. Huh. Right? I mean, you. this isn't the way leaders would treat you. Look, look at me in verse number five. Um, uh, then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. <laughs> for it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Paul, Paul lost respect for these men. He didn't want to speak evil, but these men failed him. Paul was saying, I wish you weren't the high priest because I want to speak evil. I, I want to say something. I, I want to tell you what I really think about you and your leadership. But the Bible, the law tells me I'm not allowed to speak evil. Oh, I wish you weren't in charge. That's what Paul's saying. I wish you weren't the priest. And I wish the Bible wouldn't say to respect the priest because I'd like to tell you what you th- I think of you. You failed me. How many of you, we, we call it giving someone a piece of your mind. How many of you ever given someone a piece of your mind before? How many of you realize the piece is all you had left? <laughs> I mean, if you give too much away, you, you've lost your mind. How did Paul handle this failed leadership? Let's decide this morning that we're going to learn how Paul handled it, and we're going to apply these same biblical principles to our life today as well. Let me ask you again, how many, just so I know you're awake, how many of you have been failed by leadership in your life? There's a proper way to handle failed leadership. I want you to see something here, first of all, would you write this down? Paul, in handling failed, uh, relate, uh, failed leadership, he was courageous. First thing I want you to see something, Paul was courageous. Because the question is always, what do I do? How do I handle this? What, what's the first step? I want you to see something here. Paul was courageous. Look with me in verse number one. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council. Paul earnestly beholding the council. He, Paul, with courage, faced those that have failed him. Paul confronted those. Paul was failed by the leadership in his life, and every one of us in life were going to be failed by leadership. And what do we do? Do we go and do we go to others that aren't involved and, and, and tell them what leadership has done? Do we just walk away and, and uh, get discouraged and not deal with it at all? Or, or how do we deal with this? Paul, I want you to see, he courageously dealt with this. You don't find Paul backing down and giving up. Now, stick with me on this. We're going to build on this thought. But I want you to see that when Paul was failed by leadership, he didn't leave discouraged, saying, I'm never going to follow leadership again. Paul confronted it. He earnestly, beholding the council, began to speak and share with them where they, he felt they were wrong. You don't find Paul backing down. You don't find him giving up. Paul had the courage necessary to address those that have failed him in life. He had courage. 
And hear me today, unresolved conflict in your life doesn't just go away. So often, if we're not careful, we get hurt by someone. And if we don't deal with it courageously, and we just simply walk away, so often that conflict becomes uh, rooted in our hearts. And, and it doesn't just go away. It can fester. It can build in your hearts. There are some today that you don't trust leadership in your life. Maybe a, a, a pastor hurt you in the past, so you're not going to ever trust a pastor again because you didn't deal with that in your life, and you just bring that to the next level. Maybe you were hurt by a spouse in your past, and so therefore I'm not going to trust a, a, a spouse again. Or you were hurt by a, a, a boss, and so therefore I'm not going to trust another boss again. You can't just take it and leave it and just walk Walk away and do nothing because if you're not careful, that can fester, it can build in your heart, it can grow, it can bear fruit that in time will affect, negatively affect you. Paul dealt with it courageously. He dealt with it properly. Hear me this morning, it takes courage to face leaders that have failed us. But Paul did. I was asked about a year or so ago, it might've been two years. I, with COVID, I say, a, I say yesterday and it was like seven months ago. I, this thing has just really affected time. After our governor here be, was elected, there were 15 or so pastors in the state of Ohio that asked, that asked, uh, that, that was asked to be on a, council, an evangelical pastor's council uh, for our governor. And, and we were going to meet with him and talk about specific things. We dealt with him on the heartbeat bill and, and um, several really uh, pressing issues. We, we dealt with him on a bill that would come through. And if it came through in Ohio, um, we would have to hire a, 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 a homosexual at our school if this bill were to pass. And and uh, if they applied, we could not hire them because of, of that. And so we, I saw this as a great, great thing to really influence and, and, and be a counsel to our governor. Well, COVID hit and, and there was a lot of things that happened. I, I have to say that I think in many cases, our governor, I'm so glad that our governor is not like the governor in California or New Jersey and sees other places that are really going against the church. But there were some things that happened and in, in some, some uh, responses to some things that our council of pastors got somewhat frustrated with some of the things that were happening here in our state. And there were several, several on this council that said, you know what, we're just going to quit. We're going to just back off, resign, and just not be on this council anymore. And we met together just a few months back and we met together and, and we spoke and I challenged those men. I said, men, let's not quit. Let's be courageous and stand and truly be a godly advisory council to our government. The, the, the two, two paths would have been just give up and quit or face it. We, we, wrote the governor a, a pretty strong letter just recently 
we said this, especially when we were trying to decide, you know, we we're trying to decide about school. We couldn't open school. We weren't sure what was going to happen with school and, and, and uh, waiting till kind of the last minute on things. And we wrote a letter and, and, and I signed my name to this letter and it was simply, Governor, we've been into this pandemic for five and a half months or five months at that time. And our constitution says that our state representatives and, and state house, they make law and you just simply enforce it. And we feel like you have been making law too long now. It's time for you to respect your office and respect the office of the house and senate. And I'll tell you, it took courage not to be able to blame your, your, your leader that failed you. You're going to be responsible. You are responsible. And Paul was confident in his spiritual walk. Paul was honest. What Paul was saying is this, I'm honest in my walk with God. The best thing you can do when you are confronted with conflict, when you have, have issues and maybe those in leadership has, have hurt you, you must be sure that you can be confident that your relationship with God is where it's supposed to be. So many people, they quit on the right thing because they've been wronged. There's people that are out of church because someone hurt them. There's someone that is carrying burdens and bitterness and it's, it's growing in their heart and they're becoming miserable. And instead of saying, I am responsible for my walk with God, they're putting the blame on someone else. No, listen to me, friends, you can't. You must realize that everything you say and everything you do, you're responsible for. Paul sets this out. I'm going to address this with courage. And I'm also going to be confident that I'm right with God. Romans 9.1 says this, Paul speaking, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Paul had this model of living. I'm going to be right with God. I'm going to be truthful in Christ. I'm not going to lie. My conscience is cleared. Oh, listen to me, every one of us, we ought to uh, go through our walk and our life with our conscience cleared that we are walking with God. Are you still going to be hurt? Yes. Is our leader still going to fail you? Yes. But when you are right with God and you are walking in the Spirit and your walk with God is right, you will handle that correctly. Paul didn't expect more from them than he himself wasn't willing to live. Don't, uh, don't put your leadership on a place where they're supposed to live a, a righteous life and an honest life and you don't have to. His conscience was right with God. Listen to me, friend, this morning. Don't expect leadership to live a, a higher level than you yourself aren't willing to live. Paul wasn't being judgmental here. Paul was not being a hypocrite here. Paul could, could, could uh, um, uh, admit and, and realize that leadership has failed me, but Paul was confident that I am going to be right with God. I'm going to walk with God. I want to challenge people here today because I understand in this many people living in the world that we're living in, dealing with people, I say to you all the time, where there's people, there's what? There's always going to be problems. How many of you work with people? You're going to have problems. How many of you live with people? You're going to have problems. 
How many of you go to church with people? Strange they may be, but they're still people. You're always going to have problems. And you must realize this. I have to be right with God. I am confident my conscience is right before God. Paul had courage. Paul had confidence in his walk with God. I want you to see with me in verse number five as well. Then said Paul, (laughs) I like this. I wish not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of the people. What Paul was saying is, I'm not going to tell you what I really want to tell you because you're the high priest. And if I tell you, I'm going to go against God's word. So I wish you weren't the priest so I could tell you. I want you to write this down. Number three, when when leadership in Paul's life failed him, Paul was courageous, Paul was confident in his walk with God, and Paul was respectful. Christians, we shouldn't be ignorant. We can't be hateful. Some of the things that come out of our mouth at times, it doesn't belong in the heart that would allow it to come out of our mouth in the life of a Christian. Paul was respectful. Although Paul was was hurt by this leadership, he still was respectful. You know why? Because of the word. Paul says, I wish you weren't the priest. And the only reason I'm not going to tell you what I want to tell you is because the word of God tells me I can't. He allowed the word of God to dictate his life. Don't don't miss this. The word of God must be our source of instruction, not our feelings, not our emotions. How many of you ever said something out of emotion that you regretted later? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand, wife and husband, because the one next to you is saying, yes, you need to raise your hand. I have. I I wish I could stand, but I'm human just like you are. I wish I could say every single time I was dealt with wrongly, you know what I did? I was very spiritual and respectful. And I never, I wish after years of marriage, my wife could testify, you've never said anything unkind to me. I wish she could say the same. She said some tough, no, I'm kidding. Listen to me, the word of God must be our source of instruction, not our feelings, not our emotions. You know what Paul was doing? Paul was saying here, I want my flesh wants to rip your face off. But the word of God says I can't. And I'm going to let the word of God dictate my actions, not my emotions. Oh, listen, if you pinch the person next to you right now, wake them up because this will help you all week long. Oh, listen to me. If you allow the word of God to instruct you and not your emotions, half of the trouble we find ourselves in would be gone. It would. Because the word of God says, Paul, this is how you treat leadership. And Paul says, okay. (laughs) Oh, I don't want, somebody hit you in the mouth. What are you gonna do? 
Paul wants to. But you know what? Paul can't. You know why Paul can't? Because the word of God is what's directing him. There would be less problems in our lives if we would allow the word of God to penetrate and instruct us. Husbands, love your wife. It doesn't say love your wife when, you're lo- when she's lovable. Yes. There are times, and if there's engaged couples here, just close your ears for a few minutes. I don't want to wreck marriage, but there is going to be a time in your life where you're going to look at that person and you're going to say, this isn't what I signed up for. You're not loving me like you should. And he's going to say, yeah, but you're not lovable. You said this. That's why I said this. And you're going to fight about things that it's crazy. The word of God says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know what that says? There's no excuse for you to respond in an unrespectful way. There's no name calling. There's no passive-aggressive statements. There's no hurtful, stinging statements. There's no coming back when someone hurts you that shouldn't have hurt you. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. I could if he'd lead. It doesn't say that. See, when we add the but, or if I could, or if they would, we're adding to the scripture and we're putting our emotion to something. Paul is saying, boy, I'd like to smack you in the mouth. I'd like to tell you how, but the word of God won't allow me to. And I'm going to be yielded to the word of God when I'm dealing with this conflict. Children, obey your parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. I'll honor them if they would do honorable things. The Bible doesn't say that. It says honor them. Fathers, provoke not your sons to wrath. See, that's, that's the word of God is dictating to us how we as Christians are supposed to behave in every situation. And if we would allow the word of God to instruct us and we would follow the word of God, you know what would happen? Things would change. The Bible says, obey them that have a rule over you. We can be respectful. Oh, listen to me. We ought to be courageous and we ought to be confident in our walk with the Lord. And we ought to be respectful when someone hurts us. When dealing with conflict and failed leadership in our life, we must follow the word of God and not depend upon our emotions to guide us. Oh, please don't miss that today. Let this mind be in you, which is, all, which is also in Christ Jesus, taking every thought and bringing it into captivity under the mind of Christ. You know what that's simply saying? I'm going to think like the Word. I'm going to obey what the Word says. I'm going I'm to put the Word in my heart and put the Word in my life, and I'm going to let the Word saturate my mind. I'm going to let my mind and my thoughts fall into captivity in Christ. I'm going to obey like Christ obeyed. I'm going to live like Christ lived. I'm going to respond like Christ 
Christ responded, I want to remind you when they took that fist and they beat the face of Christ, he, he said nothing back. When they took those nails and they put those nails in Christ's hands and in his feet, he didn't respond back. When they took that, that uh, crown of thorns and they placed that and then shoved that upon his head, he didn't revile, he didn't argue, he didn't say anything back. When they beat him with that, that, uh, that rod and that, that uh, 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 cat of nine tails, he didn't, he didn't respond back what he did say when he finally opened his mouth there on the cross as he stood there on that cross nailed to that tree between heaven and earth. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And that's how we ought to respond to failed leadership. Respect for the word of God will lead you to show proper respect when dealing with failed leadership in your life. I want you to see something else in verse number three of this same chapter. You with me still? It's getting quiet. That either means you needed this message, you're not happy with this message, or you're hungry and you want to get out of here. Kind of figure out which one. Look with me in verse number three. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sitting thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten, con smitten contrary to the law. Paul said in verse number six, but when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other's Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee and the son of the Pharisee. Of the hope in the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. I want you to write this down. I think we're on number four. Write this down. Paul was courageous. Paul was, Paul was um, uh, what was the second one? Confident in his walk with the Lord. Number three, Paul was what? He was respectful. I want you to see this. When Paul was dealing with leadership that failed him, he was factual. He was factual. Paul remained factual. He remained truthful. He didn't, didn't change things to get his way. He remained factual. And it confused and confounded the leadership in Paul's life. What we read there, when Paul stated that, they started fighting each other. The Sadducees and the Pharisees started going after each other. Paul just said, I'm going to remain truthful, factual. John 8, 32, the truth shall make you free. There's no reason to lie. There's no reason to be deceitful. There's no reason to, to change things to, to, because someone's harmed you. There's no excuses for that. When leaders fail us, there's no excuse for us to be deceitful. There's no excuse for us to lie. We must remain factual because it's the truth that makes us free. Verse number 11. I want you to see this in closing. This part encouraged me. How many of you have a red letter edition Bible? You know what that means? What Red letters, some of your Bibles may be when Jesus spoke, it's in red. Well, we're in Acts. And it's in red. Jesus spoke to Paul. And he said this to Paul. Be of good cheer. What? <laughs> I just got smacked in the mouth. 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees want to kill me. They're ripping me apart. Be of good cheer. Look what he says. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou, thou bear witness also at Rome. You know what Jesus was telling Paul there? You're getting out of this. I'm not done with you. You're not finished your task. The Lord stood with him. L listen, Paul was courageous and Paul was confident and Paul was, was factual and, 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 and uh, 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 Paul behaved respectfully. And because he handled those things, the Lord spoke to him. He heard his voice. He stood with Paul. What are you saying? Paul, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. Yes, I understand the Pharisees and the Sadducees are wronged you. I understand leadership has wronged you. But you behave correctly. You handle it correctly. And the Lord stood with him and spoke to him and said, I'm not finished with you, Paul. Listen, I say all of that to come to verse number 11 because this is where I want you to see Leadership is going to fail you. It's part of life. It's not their failure that you need to concentrate on. It's your response that matters. And Paul's response allowed the Lord to stand with him and speak to him and said, Paul, I'm not through with you. You see, sometimes when we get into that place where we've been hurt, we become hopeless, we become lonely, we become uh, afraid, and, and we become isolated, and we think it's over, and we wonder what's next, and, and days look dark. And, and Jesus says, Paul, listen, I understand you're in this place, but I'm standing with you, and I'm not finished with you, and I'm going to use you not just here, but I'm going to use you in Rome as well. And what more encouraging thing could Paul have heard to, for other than Jesus to say, I'm with you, and I'm using your life. My question to you is this. Do you want God to use your life? Then you have to deal with it correctly. You have to deal with hurt correctly. You have to deal with leadership correctly. But they were wrong. And that's not an excuse for you to be wrong. But they wronged me, yes. But that's not an excuse for you to respond incorrectly. How many of you have been hurt by leadership? Put your hands down. I want to ask you this. How many of you will commit to respond correctly, biblically, when you are hurt? by leadership. Jesus said to Paul, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I'm not done. I'm not finished. You're going to Rome and people are going to hear the gospel in Rome because of how you're responding. Christian, I know we live in a difficult time. The, the, the truth is this, no, I'm done, I'm done. Just hear me out for a minute. I feel like there's such 
confusion. There's such fighting. There's such animosity. There's such hurt going on in our world. I feel like there's a lack of trust. And that can't be the way that we as Christians live. We have to be the light. We have to be the salt. We have to do it differently than what the natural man does it. When you go to work, you may be the only Christian someone sees in their life. How you respond matters. In your home, if you're raising children, you are showing them what a Christ-honoring, Christ-filled home looks like or ought to look like. It matters. In this world, your neighborhood and in those that you deal with, maybe your family, maybe you've got family that's lost, then you ought to be the light and how you respond ought to be different. Don't get caught up in the, the, the anger and the hate that we're seeing in this world today. Be the light. Yes, you're going to be hurt. Deal with it courageously. Deal with it with confidence. Deal with it factually. Deal with it respectfully. And let God use you. That ought to be our desire. Let's pray together this morning. Father, Lord, there is... I'm sure people here today that they're thinking of illustrations in their heart right now. Someone's wondering, what did he know about my week? There's someone here, but maybe, Lord, it's going to be a a time this week, and they're going to say, wow, how did he know this was going to happen? And Lord, I pray that when these events happen in our life, that we will recall your word, that you would bring up Paul in his dealings in Acts 23, and we would be reminded to be courageous and to be confident, but to be respectful and be factual and have a desire to be used of you. Help us to deal with conflict in our home properly. Lord, maybe there's a husband and wife right now here today, and they're at odds. Give them the courage and the confidence to be right, to make it right. Maybe there's a child with a parent, Lord, that they're at odds today. Lord, resolve that. May they be obedient. Maybe there's someone today, they're thinking, I'm going to quit this week. I'm going in and I'm done. Lord, help them to deal with it respectfully. Wherever you need to work, Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you have free reign in every heart here today. I pray that our hearts would be pliable and that we'd be usable so that when you say, be of good cheer, I've got work for you to do. We find joy in knowing that you're standing with us and you desire to use us. We're blessed these people. Give us a great week, Lord, allowing us to be the light in this dark world. May we show people hope in a hopeless world. May we show people Jesus. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, 
Lord, would they realize that they're a sinner? When they confess their sin and turn to you and what you did upon the cross, Lord, I pray you'd save them today. So Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you do a work that only you can do. And we are yielded to you. Make us different, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. As we continue with our invitation, we've been challenged as believers to address this world with courage. How many of you this morning would say, whatever challenges come this week, I will address it with the courage that I saw today. Would you just lift your hand and you say, that's me? Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're saying, I want that courage. I don't have that courage in my life that Pastor was talking about today. But this morning, I want to know that I can have that courage. Let me just challenge you that we know that we have that courage. And those that raised their hand and said, I want to address the problems that come this week with courage. Because there was a time in our lives that we made a specific request to God. And that request was simply to receive the gift of salvation that was offered through Jesus Christ. And it's really easy. And in just a minute, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that if you're sitting here this morning. It's simply by understanding in your head and believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we're going to ask you to bow your heads again and close your eyes. And if you're sitting here this morning and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you want that courage and you want that hope that you heard about this morning. If you just say something similar to this, you'd say, Dear Jesus... I know that I'm a sinner and that I deserve the penalty of hell. I believe that you died on the cross. You paid the penalty for my sin and rose from the dead three days later. I am placing my faith and trust in you alone to forgive my sin and give me the gift of eternal life. If you're here this morning and you said that, in your heart and you believe that and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. There's nobody looking around. Would you just simply lift your hand up so that I can pray with you and for you this morning? You just simply put your hand up and put it down. Father, this morning you see our hands and know our hearts and Father, we pray that you will guide us as followers of Christ to address this world with the hope that you give to us, with the courage that you give to us through our walk with you. Father, I pray that you will take us from this place and use us as lights in a dark world, as hope, sources of hope, sources of joy and sources of courage. Lord, we thank you for what you've done here in this place this morning. And Lord, we look forward to seeing each other again soon. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day. God bless you.